Welcome to the Agony Cast, where we are improving culture through friendly competition. And this week's ep- oh fuck, fuck me, running. <laughs> Let's leave uh, that in. Yeah, I'm, probably, I'm probably going to. Um, right, so I'm going to do that again, but I probably will cut that in. Who are we? Um, five, four, three, two. Hello, and welcome to the Agony Cast, where we are improving culture through friendly competition. And the contestants for this episode are... I'm Lars, silicone thighs and marshmallow eyes. I'm Ryan, my hat is like a shark's fin. <laughs> I'm Jeremy, a small, petty man. I'm Nathaniel, I'm the runner-up for Miss Universe. Uh, wait, I'm actually being told that I won? <laughs> Timely. Who take that, Steve Harvey? I know. Nobody is safe on the Agony cast. <laughs> I've been sitting on that one for like six months. <laughs> if you're looking for sacred cows, go elsewhere. Well, as uh, longtime listeners to our podcast already know, um, we start off with our two-minute win-it round. Two-minute win-it. Uh, wherein each one of us has an uninterrupted two minutes to respond to a predetermined prompt. Uh, the prompt for this time is the liberal media would have you believe that Lemmy Kilmeister, David Bowie, and Alan Rickman died of cancer around the same time. What single theory actually explains their deaths? Well, Lars, you got the short straw, so start us off. The question at hand, how did death come almost simultaneously to these three men? Well, the truth is they weren't men at all, but immortal <laughs> beings just inhabiting our sphere for a short time. Lemmy... What was that again? Did it it. Oh, yeah. How fucking dare you? <laughs> Lemmy was really Hades, the god of the underworld. One giveaway was the manhole-sized blemish on his face, thought to be a mole that Henry Rollins once said Lemmy used to shelter a Dutch family of four. This blemish <laughs> was, in fact, an internal scorch mark from the fires of hell that sought escape from Lemmy's thin epidermis. If you look closely, you would see it bulge and retract, becoming convex and concave with the undulation of Hades' infinite rage and Lemmy's well-documented gas problem. David Bowie was the avatar of Pan, not the recent children's film in which Hugh Jackman comes out of the closet, implied, nor the far more famous <laughs> cooking implement. Pan is the Greek god of music and goats and sexuality. Sick of endlessly masturbating in trees while watching various Midsummer Night's Dream scenarios throughout history, Pan finally decided to get in on the action himself, and so became the pansexual, see what I did there, rock star David Bowie, who rocketed to stardom with his feverish lute playing and his sexual ambiguity. But no train runs forever, and so, choo-choo, he died. <laughs> finally, Alan Rickman was, of course, possessed by Duckman, the timeless spirit of grumpiness and underratedness. Most famously played by George Costanza in USA's mid-90s cartoon show. His famous catchphrase was, of course, well, that's perfect, which he uttered on a long hike after one of his duck sons said he was thirsty and the other duck son said he had to urinate. 
though the being we know as Alan Rickman technically both preceded and exceeded the run of the Duckman television show, he nevertheless reflected the essential qualities of anger and constipation that so defined Duckman's character. Okay, but all this is, of course, untrue. I made it up for supposedly comedic purposes. The truth is that all three men were heavy smokers, and that is, of course, what shortened their lifespans. Now that we know that smoking-intensified maladies include lung cancer, pancreatic cancer, death cancer, god cancer, devil cancer, up cancer, down cancer, red cancer, fish cancer, blue cancer, fish cancer, Mark Pepper disease, smoker's tail, always tasting grapefruit disease, and of course, straightened out rickets, which are of course just normal legs. I agree. Yes. Lars, there were a few curveballs for me in there. Were they indeed all smokers? Yeah, they were. Yeah. I mean, tobacco is wacko. The only question I have, the only one is, why would it be a problem for a duck to urinate in the woods? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Does a duck urinate in the woods? That's a common expression. Duckman's jokes were so low that there was an, there was the, it was the only one I remember. There was a preview to the episode, and one of the duck boys says, "I am I am thirsty," and the other one says, "And I have to urinate," and then he says, "Well, that's just perfect," and that was that's what passed for humor on that show. Yeah, it was in a sense kind of ahead of the curve, oh, yeah. and in another sense, way behind behind, way behind. the curve. Yeah. And then in another sense, right on the curve. <laughs> Curved. Like a duck's penis. Mm-hmm. I'm told. Yeah. Well, I think Lars um, opened the door to some important questions here and, and issues of um, uh, what's really going on with these three figures. If uh, no one else has any uh, questions or observations for Lars, we'll move on to our uh, second contribution. I, I I have one, one quick follow-up question of what of what pantheon is Duckman? Mm. I was going to ask the same thing. Did he not turn <laughs> himself into a human to seduce a duck? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think he's uh, you know it was it was shown on the USA Network, so I think he's he's one of those American gods Neil Gaiman's always talking about. Right mm. up there with Rhonda Shear and Gilbert Gottfried from Up All Night. <laughs> All right. Well, as you know, that reference to uh, trauma movies means it's time for Ryan to uh, to take it from here. All right. Well, um, Jeremy, you posed this question for us last time. Um, and really, in doing so, you gave us a mystery to solve, right? A whodunit, if you will. And I've been good at solving mysteries for a long time, thanks to the fact that I have read all the Encyclopedia Brown novels <laughs> through the Book It program in my elementary school so that I can earn one personal pan pizza. <laughs> I even read Encyclopedia Brown Takes the Cake, featuring mysteries like The Case of the Missing Watch Goose and The Case of the Oven Mitt, alongside Encyclopedia's favorite recipes like Chinese riblets and Tooth Collector's Chocolate Cake. And you can learn a lot about solving mysteries from reading Encyclopedia Brown. One of the big lessons is that most mysteries hinge on people's knowledge of fourth grade science trivia. So, for instance, did you know that the jury actually convicted Scott Peterson because he said that tigers live in Africa when really they only live in Asia? (laughs) He's going to fry for that one. Another thing you learn from reading Encyclopedia Brown is that you can always tell, you should always suspect 
the person who raises the mystery to begin with. So, for instance, if Bugs Meanie tells Encyclopedia that there's a mystery about who ate the pie cooling on Mrs. Whipplewhite's windowsill, you can probably bet that Bugs ate the pie. It's sort of a he who smelt it, dealt it theory of mystery solving. So, Ryan, you're pinning this on me, basically. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I started thinking about it. That's exactly what's happening. Uh, and this only adds credence to the theory, the fact that you're now admitting it. Right. So because this is the first time I've heard any sort of mystery around these deaths. And so you raised the mystery, Jeremy. You must be the killer. And the more that I thought about it, the more it makes perfect sense. You have motives in every single case. So we know from your confessed Avril Lavigne fandom last episode that you have terrible music taste. Mm -hmm. So it would make sense that you would off a musical genius like Bowie. You hate children's joy. And Rickman plays Snape in Harry Potter. Plus, you have elaborate John McClane fantasies. So it's no <laughs> wonder that you went after Rickman. And Lemmy refused to play in your Motorhead cover band, Injun Noggin. So he had to go. <laughs> and the conspiracy doesn't even stop there. When I thought about it, I realized that you're really behind every celebrity death in 2016. <laughs> you killed Grizzly Adams because you thought he should have been eaten by grizzly bears like Timothy Treadwell. You killed Glenn Fry because of your slavish devotion to the Big Lebowski. Has you convinced that the Eagles are terrible when in fact their greatest hits album is one of the best-selling records of all time? Of all time, Jeremy. Of all time. You killed Celine Dion's husband and brother to see if her heart really would go on. And just this week... You killed German television presenter Peter Lustig because you two share a longtime personal feud. So you've got the motive in every <laughs> single case. You also have a weapon. I happen to know that you come from a long line of falconers, and you have access <laughs> and knowledge in using birds of prey to slay enemies and small varmints. But the real smoking gun, Encyclopedia Brown style, is that just the other day, I heard you say that polar bears live in Antarctica when in fact <laughs> they live in the Arctic. So, Jeremy Jacques, you have killed every celebrity in 2016. What do you have to say for yourself? That's just plain slander. And, and secondly, Lustig know what he did, okay? <laughs> if, uh, if you were to kill him, he would have had it coming, I acknowledge. Ryan, I have a question. Yes. Uh, and I don't want this to sound accusatory, but this sounds like you just use this as an opportunity to impress us with your knowledge of Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia Brown and then just enact a personal vendetta against Jeremy. Both correct. Your knowledge so, yeah. of Encyclopedia Brown and your surveillance of me. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean that it's not true. You have a lot of Encyclopedia Brown books and a nanny cam somewhere in Jeremy's house. <laughs> They're actually hidden in the Encyclopedia Brown books. It's kind of a two for one. Yeah. I mean, and the only other, you know, the, the only indicator of guilt more powerful than bringing up an issue in the first place is accusing someone else of guilt. No, that's incorrect. That now I did it. Yeah. We're through the looking glass here. <laughs> um, also, when you said Celine Dion's father, and, or excuse me, husband, <laughs> husband and brother died, is that? Yes. Is that one person? <laughs> As I understand, they were climbing up a ladder together. They are they are two people, but you would know this better than anybody. Oh, playing dumb to throw us off the scent. Yeah. 
oh, I thought that was one person. Yeah. I couldn't have been there. They were actually involved in a tragic human centipede accident. <laughs> they got attached to Belle Biv DeVoe and bad things happened. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to move things along, if for no other reason uh, than to just change the subject off my uh, my abject guilt here. Your absolute guilt. That's this true. This will be played in the court of law. I can't wait for the Netflix documentary about your guilt. Making a Jeremy. <laughs> uh I'm not going to sit here and listen to this slander because, quite honestly, I've had to sit and listen to the party line come out of you mouthpieces just parroting whatever Ronald Trumps wants you to say. So who's pulling your strings, little puppets? False flag. False flag. So let's just get the obvious out of the way here first. Okay? These beings aren't dead. All right? Let's look at what we've got here. We've got one of the greatest actors of his generation who was a known warlock and half-blood prince. We've got a shape-shifting spaceman. And we've got an English immortal who travels the world under the pretense of rock and or roll. So what's this Motley crew suited for? Well, just put the pieces together, Heather. Do you think it's a coincidence that these Nephilim supposedly die right before Scalia ends up smothered outside of goddamn Marfa, Texas, the home of the Marfa lights? Proven existence of an extraterrestrial highway? How do you suppose assassins could even get close to the bear unless they were literal chameleons with links to the reptilioids through Bowie's interstellar connections? That's not his real name, by the way. And guess what it spells with? Rhymes with. It was decided at the 2015 Build-A-Bear conference in Telfsbuchen, Austria, that Scalia had to go. And why? Because he had Supreme Court evidence that there never was a shooting at Sandy Cheeks Elementary School. Where is the second Squidward, John Ashcroft? They had to import a wetware squad because domestic buttons couldn't do the job without the beans getting spilled. Sacred geometry of the Illuminatis. Cancer is just a too convenient cover. Bowie released an album two days before his so-called death. How now, Tom Vilsack? As usual, the standard GOP corporate stooges are like dogs staring at the end of your finger instead of where you're pointing. They've been instructed to blame the anti-president for this mess. But if you think Hussein Obama is really in charge of anything, I've got a newsflash for you, Joy Boy. Jet fuel can't watch steel magnolias. Ed Sack, Vax, Conorad, Conorad 117-117. Listen to me, people. I can only give you the knowledge. I can't understand it for you. As a white male, I'm this country's most repressed demographic. The 17% of Americans who don't identify as Christian are stifling my religious freedom. So what's the result here? Qui bono? This again shows that we're at the end of days and all but proves that 7-Eleven was a part-time job. I'm investing heavily in MREs and shotgun futures. And if you're not going to sit down and go with the program, then you should do the same. That said, Black Star is actually a really strong album. (laughs) I mean, I guess the most important question is, what's your favorite track off of Black Star? It's the title track, which is actually really good. It's a 10-minute jazz fusion uh, kind of... (laughs) Uh, Gnostic uh, exploration of um, occult magic. This is by David Bowie. He wrote this. No, no, no. That's by Alan Rickman. Yeah. David Bowie, who is dead now, wrote this album. Yeah, Yeah, right. Sure he is. And I don't masturbate to that song. (laughs) How do uh, chemtrails fit in, Jeremy? Uh, God. 
you're such a puppet. Chemtrails um, <laughs> are being perpetrated uh, by the Illuminatis in order to take our eyes off the prize, Ryan. And also, did you say that it was the uh, Build-A-Bear? <laughs> yeah, that's who, think, that's who holds think, the real power. I think, you're, I think you're reading that wrong. I think you read a bunch of things no, wrong. No, 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 no. Okay, you've already been proven wrong. Let's just move on. This is definitely the densest agony cast yet. Man, the government yeah. is going to shut us down for sure. They can't handle the truth. FEMA is going to be knocking on your door any minute now. Yeah. How does uh, where does fried green tomatoes fit into all of this? Hmm. Uh, I'll tell you where the actual fried green tomatoes fit into, and that's my mouth. Um, there's a restaurant <laughs> where I live that actually makes those, and if you've not had them, they're actually a pretty refreshing treat. You'd think they're kind of overly battered like an onion ring, but they're not. Yeah, that's yeah. where you have your conspiracy meetings. You guys get to. <laughs> no, that's where I have my truth sermons, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. I mean, we're really finished here, but I guess we should turn it over to Nathaniel to, uh, you know, wonk, wonk, wonk. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm actually going to start with a poem by another famous dead Englishman. I met a traveler from an antique land who said, Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read which yet survive, stamped on those lifeless things. The hand that mocked them and the heart that fed, on the pedestal these words appear. My name is Onzymandius, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing beside remains round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sand stretched far away. Did you write that? So you you don't have an answer then to think. No, I, I totally phoned it in. No, no, let me finish. <laughs> this is just poetry slam now. <laughs> I, yeah, I no, no. Yeah. Now, now I'm going to do a remix of it. Remix. Just read it backwards. What I, gentlemen, what I'm suggesting is that this question is adorable. It seeks to clutch from the abyss some semblance of meaning. The universe is a cold, empty place. These men, as mighty as they might have been in life, they are but food for worms. Indeed, there's a ridiculous futility, which is nevertheless surprisingly easy in trying to link or unite their deaths, as the question supposes. They're all Brits, of course, which could be something, but British people die every day around the world, a legacy of their empire, which itself spread like a cancer into the world. The sun never sets on the carcinous Englishman's corpse. <laughs> That's it. That was great. Mm -hmm. You know, all that talk about British men killing themselves, you know what that does to my downstairs. They're pretty near flooded my basement. <laughs> mm, yes, busted. I just realized uh, in the shower yesterday, unrelated, that I, uh, I really haven't managed to get out of the specter of plagiarism from that very first episode. Oh, yeah, the, the famous finger-banging incident. Which is why I've been plagiarizing ever since. I mean, ultimately, it's my fault. Everything is a remix, Lars. Yeah, a r r r r r r r remix. <laughs> is that Wait a minute. Whenever somebody says remix, do you just... Oh, no, wait, the other one was Ryan. I'm sorry. The Ozymandias remix. <laughs> give credit where credit's due. Woo-do-woo-do-woo-do-woo! <laughs> 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 
Hachi Machi. <laughs> I think remixes are coming back, you guys. I do oh, appreciate yeah. that Nathaniel gave a, a full half of his time to simply reciting a poem. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like some sort of a fucked up filibuster. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, is... that poem was Noel Gallagher, is that right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you listen carefully, there's a, a slur against blur in there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lars, I'm referring here to the well-known feud between Oasis and Blur. Yeah, yeah. Park life was overrated. It was well before my birth. Hmm. Actually, Park Life is overrated. The life or the album? Park Life, the album. Not living in parks. <laughs> life for the album. <laughs> all right. Um, well, that anyway. uh, that's a strong uh, two-minute win it round. I think we're all... Um, we're all right. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, in this sort of postmodern era, can we be sure of anything? <laughs> Everyone wins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be, it would be uh, offensive to say that someone was wrong here. Yeah, so everybody not. gets a trophy. Yeah, master narratives. <laughs> Millennials are weak and entitled. Oh, well to power. Why do children need to get trophies? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, oh, before moving, of signifiers. yeah. All right. Huh? Thank you for for uh, breaking up what I was saying for that. Um, oh yeah, it's totally worth it. Before moving on to the uh, next round, um, I think there are a, a few things that uh, a few accounts that have to be settled. Um, so uh, I'm introducing a new segment that I think is long overdue that I'm calling uh, a mea culpa. Mea culpa. <laughs> What's going to happen here is we're going to bring each other uh, to account for our manifold sins from previous episodes. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. So since, uh, as the Bible says, he who is without sin, uh, I don't know. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go first. So I should point out that in the last episode, I not only implied but explicitly stated that for a woman to be attractive at the age of 50 is almost unheard of. When I, of course, mentioned that um, as Ms. Lauren Graham, actress extraordinaire, is pushing 50, and yet somehow miraculously she still maintains a, a, a level of appeal. Uh, for that, I am, of course, completely sorry. Mea culpa. But I'm not alone in this, of course, either. Ryan, you followed me uh, part of the way on this misogynistic road to damnation um, when you pointed out that as we were talking about this issue, uh, we're joshing around about the chicks we'd like to bang. Isn't that right, Ryan? (laughs) And then you took things perhaps a little bit too far when you made fun of Avril Lavigne, as you returned to in this episode, because she has Lyme disease. I think you owe it uh, to the entire tick-borne illness population uh, to explain yourself. My mother was (laughs) tick-borne. That's correct. Um, And I apologize, first of all, to Miss Levine, who's listening right now. Um, Ms., you sexist fuck. Came back despite being insulted in the last episode and in this episode and still has not turned the podcast off. Um, uh, I appreciate her coming back. I apologize that uh, your near death was a source of my humor. Um, But I will also say I've been bothered by another mistake that I made recently. In fact, I thought about um, implementing a corrections episode um, for many of the mistakes we've made. 
Um, I did catch an error that I misspoke on the title of an Eric Carmen song, but I did not catch the fact that I completely botched the Statler Brothers lyrics to turn your radio up. Um, so my apologies to the Statler Brothers. Unforgivable. And also to God, who um, the song is ultimately about. He does not accept. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one unforgivable sin. That's true. And and Ryan, I appreciate your willingness to uh, um, try and meet everyone halfway here. Uh, of course, as you point out, were we to actually address all of the mistakes and uh, apologies necessary, this episode would just be a commentary track on the previous episode of us all saying, sorry, sorry about that. Sorry about, oop, that one's wrong too. We, we could just, we could do, record a commentary that was just apologies for it so you could listen to them simultaneously. We could just pre-record an apology track. You just yeah. layer in. A blanket apology for everything we've done. Mm -hmm. Instead of fart noise, we can just put, I'm sorry. Fart noise. <laughs> And, and it's true that these uh, uh, podcasts are rife with mistakes. I mean, in listening to the previous one, I noticed that uh, we let unpass the fact that Nathaniel called um, Angel Eyes a spy movie with Val Kilmer. When in <laughs> fact, he's thinking of The Saint, which I know because I saw that in the movie theater alone. Well, Lars is having a good time. Let's see how good of a time he's having when we ask him to atone for what even for him was a series of racial gaffes in the previous episode, <laughs> the most unusual of which being his fixation on the shifting racial makeup uh, of the person who voiced Nala in the Lion King. Lars, what do you have to say for yourself? Listen, I knew young Nala, and you, sir, are no young Nala. Mm, that is unsatisfying. We also we, we have um, one further apology um, that, that we'd like to make, and that's Jeremy would like to apologize for killing Alan Rickman. Let me kill Meister and others and the rest. Jeremy, would you like to apologize? The jury will be listening to this at your trial. Yeah. I would like to point out that only Judy can judge me and that the great architect sees my deeds. <laughs> All right. Well, let's put this childish childishness behind us. Um, it's, it's no secret here, though, that the uh, misdeeds of the three of us pale in comparison to the grossest sin of all from the previous episode. And this should be no surprise to any of the listener. <laughs> Turning here to Nathaniel, who, in an innocent situation where we were brainstorming ideas for niche Uber competitors, oh God. you uttered the three vilest syllables that have ever traversed the digital ether when you uttered glug, glug, glug. <laughs> and in fact, perhaps understanding that it didn't land quite as hard as you would like, a full minute later, <laughs> yeah, you did it again. <laughs> this was no accident. Okay, so Nathaniel, I've got a question for you. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> I've got, I've, I throw myself at the mercy of the court. Mm. The court of grinder, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Swipe right. Oh, well, well. Be hearing about that next week in our mea culpas. Yeah, I'd like to introduce a new segment, Future Mea Culpa. <laughs> <laughs> Just footnoting things for that. Okay, well, I feel better. I hope you gentlemen do too. Nope. I'm assuming the listener has fast forwarded. 
<laughs> All right, so we're moving on now to our uh, speed round. Speed round. And as everyone knows, this is where... Holy crap. <laughs> oh, God, I aspirated wine. Oh, man. He's ripping what he sowed. <laughs> um, this is where uh, we um, respond to uh, impromptu statements. Oh, oh boy. You got to work on that. And it looks like the first one for this episode is executive orders from President Trump's first 100 days in office. So what are some executive orders that are going to be coming out of the mouth of old President Trump (laughs) within the first 100 days? I would say totally legal to do your daughter. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. He would make it a he would make it a federal issue. (laughs) Death to all his enemies, right? Probably get it. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Certainly, he's going to be uh, cutting taxes on hair gel. Yeah, I was going to say uh, hair hair piece stipends. Those hair pieces aren't even working. They're getting handouts from the federal government for doing nothing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, in fact, one of the things that Hill requires is that you have to know the father of your hair piece to get it a birth certificate. (laughs) I feel like because of his actual, uh, you know, lacking business acumen despite his bragging he'll probably figure out a way to change the rules on criteria for a president's success so some way of you know making sure it's like listen if i do a bad job that's actually a good job you know, just making sure that the stage is set appropriately so one of the executive orders is actually just down is up now right yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite literally cats and dogs are living together black is white <laughs> I think uh, just you're fired is going to be an executive order. <laughs> let's all right. let's all let's all do our Trump. You're fired. All right. That is me. going to be the next amendment to the Constitution. <laughs> yeah. Simply, you're fired. Yeah. Um, he will make he will make not being educated free for everybody. <laughs> has he been Has he been using the "you're fired" line enough? Remember, I mean, when Schwarzenegger was up, everybody was. Uh, still a, a girly man. I mean, has, has Trump mm-hmm. been trading on that? I guess no. not, right? In, you know what? In his defense, he has not. You know what? That is admirable. He has not become a catchphrase character of his own catchphrase, which I have yeah. to say. He has been saying, did I do that a lot? <laughs> <laughs> I have it on pretty good authority that once he's president, he's going to order Bowie, Rickman, and Lemmy <laughs> uh, to assassinate everyone on Shark Tank. and for some reason america's next top model are you implying that uh, donald trump is actually one of the eight foot tall lizard people from your conspiracy theory because if so i am appalled ryan could you be more naive (laughs) i could not yeah he still reads encyclopedia brown books God, go listen to Infowars with the rest of the sheep orion yeah loose change Perfect comment. (laughs) And then after that, I suppose he's probably going to introduce some uh, common sense legislation for entitlement reform. (laughs) That's definitely the case. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a, uh, that veins run dry. So let's turn to our next uh, prompt, which is worst greeting cards. Mm. Well, this sounds like something you might find in the Reader's Digest. So I turned to Ryan and Nathaniel. What are the uh, worst greeting cards? One uh, is, sorry, your Reader's Digest subscription was canceled. Yeah. Mm. That's one. I mean, you need a card for that. Maybe you you forgot right. to send the little card in. Get your subscription re- re-upped. It's your cards card all the way down. Or you don't get humor yeah. in uniform anymore. 
Okay, so sorry about the day's work. Just a clarification: Are we giving scenarios that merit cards? Or are we no, talking I about? I guess. Hmm. I mean, I was just going to go. Sorry about Scruffles, Aunt Diane. <laughs> you know what, Lars? I think you've uh, found out that this is not thoroughly thought out. <laughs> Boy, who would have thought? The one yeah. hole in the podcast. Yep. The one. The yep. one chink in the armor. We could look past calm women, but this joke is just not good. Could it be that uh, nothing but grab ass was not a solid foundation? <laughs> that's that's a, that, that's a great question. I've always wondered why. What's the definition of grab ass? There, I mean, why in in your telling now it's become so synonymous with male shenanigans that it just means we weren't doing our jobs. But in fact, you have actually accused us of <laughs> grab ass, right? What is it supposed to mean? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this much as a way of answering. As uh, you all know from the photographs, I played uh, high school soccer. And when mm. I was an underclassman, the upperclassmen would do something called checking your oil. Oh, Jesus. What do you suppose that actually equated to? Yeah, okay, I don't know. dipstick would have to go in your oil hole, right? I mean, I'm not a mechanic. Um, you're getting warmer. That should be done every uh, hey. 3,000 miles, correct? Well, according to Encyclopedia Brown, yes. <laughs> hey, Jeremy, to keep us on task, can you answer Lars's question in the form of a greeting card? <laughs> sorry, sorry, your oil was so low, but I'm glad I checked. Yeah, I guess on the front of it, it would say, looks like your oil's getting low. And then on the inside, there'd be a pop-up of a human hand, and it says, I'm going to put my thumb a little bit up your asshole. Oh, oh. Soccer, the civilized game. Yeah. I'll tell you, uh, uh, American team sports are a cauldron of homoerotic punishments. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about how great they are for young people. Uh-huh. Oh, they're that too. Well, in fact, well, that's precisely my point. Lars, you assume a cauldron of homoerotic punishments is negative. Yeah. So, okay, so we, what does this mean, right? So I watched the uh, uh, biography of Yves Saint Laurent, famous fashion designer, realizing that he was alive and made his mark on, ma- on fashion, which is predominantly with super skinny models, while being a man who was in the closet, right? So in trying to figure out the ideal model, which was for him, like himself, an emaciated young boy, he then put on the world the idea that they that women should be emaciated young boys in appearance. And then mm. now this is an additional example, I assume, of someone who's in the closet putting out their fantasy. Where did these things come from? Does this end in the greeting card? Yeah. yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah. There's like a sort of a follow your dreams, and then on the inside, it's like, what strange cultural uh, movement would you start if you had to express your sexuality in oblique ways? Sorry, Lars. That uh, clacking noise is me taking dictation for next episode's <laughs> mea culpa. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Actually, Jeremy's working on a Grantland article. <laughs> I would say one of the cards would say, sorry, I killed David Bowie. Love, Jeremy. <laughs> so your pansexual rock star is dead. I hate Mondays <laughs> and the death of Alan Rickman. How about on the front? It's just a cartoon owl. And then inside he's, you know, flapping his wings and it says, who, who, who has gonorrhea? <laughs> Give it to people once you've, you know, infected them. Yeah, that's right. great. So it would be so the owl would be looking at the reader meaningfully, indicating yeah. although it's a question, Ooh. 
the well, answer could you, is you. The could it be a pot? You pull the mirror. You pull the owl up, and there's a mirror behind it. <laughs> <laughs> so, see, it lets you know we're gonna have fun with this thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, much to the uh, chagrin of the Hallmark Company, um, I think we've finished in more ways than one. So let's move on to our last uh, prompt, which is characters that will be added to Fuller House. Ooh, and this is a delicious morsel. Uh, As everyone no doubt knows, Netflix has brought back the television program Full House. Uh, So we would like to discuss some characters that are going to be added to this uh, glorious rebirth. Who wants to start us off? I think, I mean, the premise is you just add Fuller. So it's just like Fuller DJ. So they're just sort of more chunkier versions of the original characters. Okay, fat shaming, mea culpa. Yeah, next episode. Glug, glug, glug. Yeah, we'll be revisiting this next next episode. <laughs> I, I, do, I like the idea of, um, of you know, like Jody Sweden's former meth dealers dropping by, you know? Uh-huh. Either, yeah, I would say uh, Walter White could be, you know, on the show. Yes, yes. Is, uh, I mean, Rockets, a litter of Rockets pups? Ooh, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Well, gentlemen, dare I dream that this could be an entryway into a a broader incorporation of other characters from other shows, right? Uh Maybe we get Boner on there. Maybe we get Cockroach on there. Maybe we get Boner Roach on there. (laughs) (laughs) Skippy? Cockroach Boner, yeah. DJ Jazzy Jeff? I would say that we're going to get Kimmy Gibbler's cousin, Kimmy Gobbler. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, although I I would just uh, my my lawyers informing me, Ryan, this you should be uh, uh, into this. This is really getting close to infringing on uh, property that Ryan and I own, which is the uh, the, the right to the idea yes. of an animated program called Second Fiddles. Right now, I've heard this so many fucking times I couldn't <laughs> count. But could you share with the listening population just a thumbnail sketch of of, of this uh, program, please? Make sure you send it to yourselves. Yeah, I mean it's it's a pretty basic premise, Ryan. You can you can f- flesh it out if you'd like, but it's an animated series of a home populated with all the second fiddles from various '80s and '90s sitcoms. Yeah, you got Boner, you Boner, got Cockroach, Cockroach. You got Waldo, Geraldo, Faldo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, of course, oh, uh, I like it already. With the two glasses on top of each other from different world. Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade. Dwayne, yeah. yeah. Uh, Steve Steve Urkel and Stefan Urkel, both of them, because it's animated. We can do that. Well, you know, that happened in the latter seasons of Family Matters. Steve Urkel cloned himself, then used the Stefan Urkel machine to turn one of the clones into Stefan Urkel. It's really not that complicated, Nathaniel. Try to keep up. How did Family Matters end? You know, I'm not sure, but since we're talking about Fuller House, you realize Urkel appeared on Full House. Mm-hmm. That's true. And so the Family Matters universe is in play, plus Family Matters spun off from Perfect Strangers, so the Perfect Strangers universe is in play. Netflix, your move. I, and I think and I think there's really, with the, with the tie into Family Matters, a, a way for Fuller House to really bridge some racial divides. I think uh, some Black Lives Matters activists appearing on Fuller House would be uh, quite moving. Very special episode. Jeremy just winced. Mea yeah, culpa, the, mea culpa. Mea culpa for Nathaniel. Oh, well, at least the uh, awkward uh, racial gaffes are shifting from Lars to Nathaniel. <laughs> That'll be a treat. You cut my Shondaland question because you were worried about <laughs> yep. awkward racial gaffes. And now here we are. No matter what I do to try and keep this show on the level. <laughs> wow. They pull me back in. Ryan, production meetings are private. <laughs> 
I think oh, that question would have gone fine, and we all could have handled it very sensitively. Yeah. Mm. That remains to be seen. And to be honest, I think we've opened the kimono a little bit too far, and that'll bring an end to the speed round. You know what that means, folks? It's time for the vote. As uh, listeners know, I tend not to vote in these things uh, unless I really need to. Um, We go in order. Let's see. Who's starting us off? Lars, who are you voting for? Um, let's see. I, th- I think I have to go with uh, Ryan this week. Boom. Boom. Nailed it. Thank you, Lars. I appreciate that. Um, mm. you know, I, I always vote for Jeremy and Jeremy was, was exceptionally strong two minute win it with his conspiracy theory that blew my mind wide open, man. <laughs> Doors of perception have opened for me. I've got some but, literature for you to read, but I feel like I can't, I can't go with Jeremy again. So what the fuck, Lars? For some reason, Lars, Lars, oh, like... a pity vote for you, my friend. That pan thing was pretty good, and that list of diseases was Thank pretty you. good. Yeah. Plus, yeah. you weren't the racist this time, so I feel like you should, or not as much, but you mm-hmm. be rewarded for that. You weren't the racist this time is definitely the greeting card that belongs <laughs> in our podcast. Did it right? Yeah. So, Nathaniel, could you work a vote into your hate crime schedule, please? <laughs> I'm going to vote Lars, uh, both for the list of diseases, which I'm a big fan of litanies, but also Mm -hmm. he was the most specific out of all four of them. He he went through all of the, all of the characters in turn and spent time on their, their own unique qualities, but also uh, the connectivity uh, between them, among them. So Mm -hmm. I vote for Lars. Speaking of which, Pan is actually being added to Fuller House as a character. You'll see him masturbating in the tree in (laughs) Pan's backyard. From time to time. Yeah. Well, Lars, that's a, a, a big win for you. And although I don't vote, um, you know, I um, only do it in cases of tie, like the president of the Senate, which is the vice president. Boy, that's weird. Um, I, I'd like to add my voice to your uh, to your kudos here. I think Lars uh, um, introduced this notion of the uh, uh, gentleman being immortal and not what they seem, right? Which I think is something we all kind of return to in our own ways. And uh like Nathaniel, I really appreciate lists. I like things very simple and spelled out. And I think, Lars, you uh, you took the trips on that one. I like humor where you just don't have to think that much. Right. Mm-hmm. Fart noise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my, my choice for the two-minute win it then uh, at this point is uh, which other children's entertainer is framing Bill Cosby and why? Oh, boy. Mm, boy. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... You guys need to substitute me out. Yeah, next I'm going to sit out next episode as well, but that's going to be a great time. Okay. Yeah. We're on well, it. We're so in that, it now. That sounds like a, a good plan. We've got an interesting topic here. I'm terrified of it, and we've got a few substitutes. Okay, so that'll do it. Uh, that's the end then. And uh, I encourage you all to join us uh, next time on the Agony Cast where we will continue things that we have to apologize for in the subsequent agony casts.